dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. By all accounts, St. Paul checks all the boxes when it comes to being an effective leader. But of all of his many wonderful qualities, the strength that dominates his personality, without a doubt, is his perseverance in the face of adversity. St. Paul is someone who finishes what he starts, but many of us struggle to do the same. Burnout is a real thing, and persevering in the face of adversity sometimes just isn't worth it. What's the secret to Paul's outstanding sense of grit, and how can we imitate him today? Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm glad that you're here for another one of our classes on leadership in the life of the saints. And isn't it, aren't we blessed to be able to have a tradition like we do that's full of saints who, well, had to dare great things for Christ in the face of impossible odds? And I love to emphasize that because a lot of times in our understanding of the saints, we think of them as these perfect people who just could roll through life, basically. And we only hear about their successes and we only hear about their incredible, you know, sense of virtue. And a lot of us don't feel like we're really in touch with anything that we could imitate ourselves. And that's why I want to talk to you about the saints from a different angle from a more realistic point of view, not just of their achievements, but also of their failures and of their hardships, of their sacrifices, of what they went through that in many ways makes them very similar to us. In fact, what St. Paul you know, lived in his life is the same that we have to live. Every time we make an act that's voluntary and that we choose to make in which we engage our identity and our freedom, we're making an act of leadership in one way or the other. And all of those acts have the same structure. They go through five different stages, right? The first stage is learning what you want to do. It's having hope, having a dream, right? So we, and we talked about St. Paul and how he did this, how St. Paul was innovative, how he went out outside of the box, how he went out of the side of the established norms to find, well, the answers that Christ himself was presenting to the world. It's, that's what made him so great. But then we went on, the next stage is after you have a desire, well, then you, you figure out the best way to make that happen. It's kind of the, the planning stage. And that, there too, St. Paul, you know, had a whole strategy for how, you know, he did things. But the third stage is, is divided into two parts. It's where your first part is number three, and it's where you start things. And then the fourth stage is where you finish what you started. And this is a stage where a lot of people trip up. Because they know what they want, they plan it out, they start it, but then, man, sometimes you wonder if the view is worth the climb, right? Like, isn't it just too hard for us to actually carry through to its end? Is it really worth all the sacrifices that we have to make in order to, to finally get to the end goal? And we stop. Now, sometimes we don't even go through that much calculation. Sometimes some of us are just plain lazy, right? And it's just really hard. You, you struggle to finish things. You're great at ideas. You're great at founding and beginning. But the grit and determination to get to the finish line, well, that just seems to be someone else's skill set. 
And what's extraordinary, of course, is that for St. Paul, he seemed to have all these skills. And I want to say the reason why St. Paul had all these skills, you know, from knowing what he wanted, being able to vision it, to planning, then executing the plan by starting things and finishing them. And then, of course, the fifth stage of, of leadership, which is bringing other people along with you. He was famous for that. That was his whole job. He was an evangelizer. <laughs> so wherever he went, you know, he brought people along with him, right? So the, here he was just a star. So you look at all those five things and you say, man, St. Paul seemed to have them all. And he did, right? But the reason for that is because St. Paul was so grounded in Christ, the Lord Jesus is the one who possesses all of those qualities in the preeminent fashion. He's the perfect man because, of course, he's God, right? So he's God made man and his humanity was perfect. And so he typifies and exemplifies this kind of leadership the best. But St. Paul, being grounded in him, allowed Jesus, and this is the key, he allowed Jesus to exercise Jesus's influence through him. He was the instrument of the king of kings. That's what made him such a great leader. And that's what Christian leadership is. When we're Christian leaders, of course, we make an impact. Of course, we exert an influence. But it's really just there in order to allow God to exercise his influence through us and to make his impact through us. And if, what is God's impact? Well, those five stages of leadership are going to be done in a preeminent fashion. I mean, like in the best of ways, right? So if we could, in other words, think of it this way. If you're, if you're blocked by any one of those fives, like no one wants to follow you. If you go backwards, that's number five. No one really wants to follow you. No one wants to join your team. No one thinks your ideas have any value. Or back to number four, right? Or you, you just, you quit. When the going gets tough, it's just really hard to keep going. Right? And then the third one, sometimes we just are just terrified and we, we just wimp out, we chicken out, we, we, we get up to what we should be doing and then we, we don't get it done. Or other people, we can't decide the best way to do it. And that's because most of the time, for many of us, we just really don't know how to care enough <laughs> to come up with something anyway. I mean, this is like other people can have ideas, but like we, how, how are we supposed to even, you know, shoot if we don't know what target we're aiming at, right? And so each of those, like our Lord Jesus, he brings each of those to their fulfillment. He is the, the master of leadership. And if we looked at his life, we'd see someone who, number one, of course, was able to change the rules of the game and make things happen because he was God. But he was also extremely clever. When you look at his responses, for example, to the Pharisees and the scribes and all of that, and how he got out of these traps, you know, it was really astounding. Well, that's, that's our Lord, you know, being creative and innovative. Uh, in the, in then him making a plan. Of course, his plan was full of wisdom because it was to save the world in the greatest and deepest way possible by the cross. Not wiping evil away, but transforming evil from the inside, you know, by, by redeeming us from our sins on the cross. And then, uh, you know, of course, he started things. He did everything he needed to do, picking up the cross himself and carrying his own cross, as it says in Gospel of St. John. And, and then, of course, he finished it, you know, even saying it is finished, going through his bloody passion all the way to the end. And then his ability to win other people to himself. Well, of course, <laughs> that's exemplified even by your presence, right? Like, so the fact is you, you have been won over by this man who so forcefully attracts the whole world by drawing it all to himself. So, so when St. Paul grounds his life in Christ, he allows Christ to shine 
through his weakness. That's the whole secret. You see, St. Paul surrendered his weakness to the power of Jesus and then continued to try to do the great deeds. This is the secret of Christian, Christian discipleship, to follow Jesus in the cross, to follow Jesus into his passion, to follow Jesus where we're most afraid that he'll take us in order that then by going where we don't think we can go, our life's only explanation is the Lord. He, he's glorified through us, but also he gives his gifts through us because he will meet what we cannot supply in order to work his divine plan in the world. This is the power of Jesus. And it's what St. Paul shows us. And so in, in this, I want to look especially at St. Paul's absolutely unique, unusually profound ability to, to continue on his course despite adversity. So I want to go through with you all the different ways that he met adversity over Kim. That's going to be astounding. But at the heart of it, I want you to keep this question in your mind. What is the difference between me and St. Paul? What did St. Paul have that I don't have? Now, of course, this is really profound because St. Paul is going to tell us all of his weaknesses and most of you are in a better situation than St. Paul was. I mean, most of you have not done the sins that he did or had the same psychology, you know, that he had. Most of, and that's what's so astounding. Then why aren't we doing what St. Paul did? There's the real question. And that's what I want to leave you with as a challenge. And then we're going to dive in here to see all the ways that he overcame adversity, which is really astounding. Would you like to hear more from Father Nathan? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a two-minute glance at the gospel every Sunday morning right to your phone. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. All right, so just a, a little bit of perspective on St. Paul. He probably died when he's around 66, right? So you can think of different, you know, there's, there's a whole, from 58 to 66, sometime in there he died. Let's just say he, was, he lived till he was 66. That means that he spent 40 years as a Christian, approximately, right? So 40 years of his life, he was living as a Christian. And yet in those, that time frame, by foot alone, Okay, when you, when you look at the amount of country land that he crossed on foot, 10,000 miles. Okay, so that would be the equivalent of walking from New York to LA four times, okay? <laughs> in his lifetime, that's just in terms of, of walking. Uh, totally writes 14 of the different books of the, of the New Testament, 14 books of the Bible, that's quite a bit. Uh, there's over 30 cities that he that mentioned by name in which he went to preach, um, he, that's almost a different city every year. Okay. So if we wanted to put that in perspective of how many, how much traveling that entailed and the constantly being uprooted that that took 30 different cities to live in, right? Because when he preaches there, he sets up his, his camp, so to speak there. That's where he has to live. 30 different ones. That's just ones that are mentioned by name. At least 14 different church communities were founded. Again, if you put that into the math, right, over 40 years, that's a different church community being founded every four years. That's at least that. So, so, so it might be up to 20 different churches that he, that he started, which would be one every two years. He's starting a new community, right? Uh, yeah, at least five different times, St. Paul was the person who was the subject of a riot. 
Now think about that in your own life, right? You probably have zero. Hopefully, all of you have never started a riot, right? Well, St. Paul didn't start riots, but he had mobs form and riots form around him at least five times. Those are the ones that are just listed in, in sacred scripture. Okay, so I mean, we start to calculate all this. It really is amazing. Just in travel days alone, if you take a look at the four missionary journeys that are listed in the Acts of the Apostles, there's three missionary journeys and his trip to Rome, right? He had a total of 281 days that he spent in his journeys. 200, almost a year of his 40 years were spent in between towns. Okay, so that just gives you an idea. And if you take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, go ahead and open your Bibles to that, right? That's a, I hope you, know, you can do this because 2 Corinthians 11, he starts to list off what he went through, okay? So for example, five different times he had his hands bound, right? Tied to a post and was whipped. Five different times. Okay, so I'd love to think about this. If ever you wonder if you're having an apparition and you wonder if it's really St. Paul, ask the apparition to turn around so you can see his back. Because on St. Paul's back, there would have been a lot of scars. 195 times with a whiplash. Three different times his hands were bound. He was hung, you know, hanging by his arms and beaten with rods. I can only imagine how much that hurts. Right? Can you imagine taking someone taking canes of bamboo, for example, something like that, and then beating you with them as you're hanging from, you know, from the ceiling? That's after he had been whipped at five different occasions. That's eight different times being arrested, being stripped, I mean, and then being beaten in front of everybody. Can you imagine nothing else? The ridicule, the harassment, how hard that would have been to heal from. He must have had an amazing constitution. Once it even says it's the only person in the entire Bible who reportedly survived a stoning, right? That's where they gather around you, they pick up rocks, and they throw them at you until they think that you're dead. So they actually beat St. Paul so badly they thought he was dead. And then it says that the, the disciples gathered around him and he got up again. So, I mean, how do you stop this guy? Three different times he talks about being shipwrecked. At one point, he mentions that he tread water in the Mediterranean. Uh, in the ocean, you know, in, it was sharks and uh, eels and all kinds of things around him for 36 hours, a day and a half cast away at the sea. I mean, gosh, you kind of just wonder what his psychology must have been. That it must have been something because he, he goes on in 2 Corinthians 11, he just says, I was in labors more abundant, in stripes beyond measure, in prisons more frequently, in danger of death often in peril from waters, in peril from robbers, in perils from my own countrymen, in perils from Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea. I mean, so you, obviously he was pretty, you know, he, he noticed everything that he went through, okay? And, and then he goes on, he says, and yet I did this in weariness and in toil and sleeplessness often, right? So think about that cross alone. For those of you who can't sleep well at night, right? There's St. Paul in hunger and in thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, let alone to speak of my daily anxiety for the churches. I mean, it's, I, it's really uh, an astounding list. And of course, he wrote this with 10 more years left on his ministry. So what we have written there, that's only at, at, at three quarters of the way through the 40 years that he spent. And he doesn't even list off everything. 
I mean, it's enough to take your breath away when you think about it. And then you just want to think about all the intrigue, right? The times where he would convert people in the town and then other people would get jealous about it. The rumors that were spread. He had friends who suffered because they were his friends. I'm thinking of Jason in, in Thessalonica who ends up having Paul at his house, but then Paul slips out and they take Jason and they threaten the loss of all of his goods because he helped St. Paul and helped the gospel. I mean, that must have been hard on him. Right? You think about the, the, the division that he had with John Mark and with, with Barnabas. and That must not have been easy for St. Paul. There, there must have been a loneliness of spirit from everything that he faced. And yet he never quit. Well, what would it take for you to quit? I mean, for many of us, we, it's just like if someone makes fun of us for being a Catholic, we end up qu quitting, right? And someone, if you have an employee, we're scared that our employees will say something to us. So we don't even try to bring the gospel into the workplace. You know, we can't. And, and, and you keep on going down the line, right? There's, it, we quit at much less. We quit because we have headaches, you know? And, and here's St. Paul out there treading water for 36 hours to get into the next boat just so that he can keep on, he never quits. The only way that they stop St. Paul from spreading the gospel is by killing him. And in the end, he even does that voluntarily. So it's almost like following Jesus who said, you can't take my life from me. I lay it down freely. St. Paul goes to Caesar in order to bear witness in front of the most powerful man in the world about the truth of Jesus Christ. So it's like, I want to know what's in that secret. Right? Because if I look at it just from a human point of view, that goes far beyond what most human beings are willing to do because, I mean, to die for something, it, there's nothing on the earth worth dying for. The only thing worth dying for is what's on the other side, <laughs> which is heaven. Right? And, and there we, we got something. St. Paul was enamored with heaven. He says to Timothy at, at the end of his life in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, I'm being poured out like a libation. Like a, it means a drink offering given to God. Poured it out to the last drop. And all I have that is laid up for me is the crown of righteousness that I'm striving for. Right? So St. Paul's got his eyes on this crown of righteousness. And, and so he literally goes through it all to his death. Now, of course, this is different for us. We have businesses. We have families. Our vocation isn't the same as St. Paul's. So I'm not saying that we need to do what St. Paul did and die for anything you know, that's on this earth, right? Because, but, but then again, there's to have that spirit in us to say, how do I persevere in doing what I know I need to do? And how does Jesus help me to do that? That's what I want to look at with you and see if we can find a lesson that will help us. Would you like to start your Thursday mornings with a scriptural leadership lesson? Join the St. John Leadership Network where Father Nathan hosts a 30-minute call at 6.30 a.m. in all four U.S. time zones. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org slash member and join for free today. So when we're talking about the life of St. Paul, we always have to have the same thing in mind. The secret to St. Paul is not his natural strength, okay? It's not his personality. It's not his psychology. He had, of course, many gifts to offer, but none of them could equate with the impact that he made or the life that he lived. None of that it can explain it, is what I'm trying to say. Because in the end, what he did so far surpassed what's normal for a human being, that there was another power at work, 
right? And say, but how does St. Paul access that power? How do we lean on our faith in Jesus in order to overcome the natural obstacles that we have in our way towards living the lives that we want to live? And again, if you list them out, right? Like I put them as the five F's, right? Fatalism, fog, flight, fatigue, and forlornness. These are the big five that we have to face. These are the types of fears that keep us at bay. And, and every one of us is going to be afflicted by one of those types of five at one point or another, and some in more than in others, and, and we all have a tendency towards them, okay? But they're going to explain why we fail. Failure starts with an F, and so do those five forms of fear. Fear and failure both starts with Fs. We're going to give an F to, to both of those, okay? But like, how does St. Paul overcome them? Well, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that it's not in his strength, but in his weakness that the secret lies. Already in chapter 11, verse 30, he says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Now, that's absolutely astounding. Why would St. Paul boast of the things that show his weakness, right? And he goes on in chapter 12 to say why. And it's because God used his weakness in order to manifest God's strength. So St. Paul offers his weakness to God in the container of his courage and his love. And God takes the courage and the love and then supplies for Paul's weakness by his grace. Right? So what does that mean? Well, in face of all of this adversity that St. Paul encountered, which he witnesses to and says it was oppressive, I mean, anyone who can list off every single way that you suffered is a very sensitive person. I think St. Paul was probably extremely sensitive because here he is telling us, I suffered this way, this way, this way, this way. You know, and, and, he, and he writes it all down for us because he's very keenly aware of his own weakness, that that suffering bothered him. If he was impervious to all this, he wouldn't even list it for you. He'd just be like, oh, no, it's not a big deal. But it was a big deal. Everything he went through was a big deal. And so he's sitting here instead saying, I suffered and suffered greatly. That shows us his weakness, that he was aware of it. Yeah, and yet at the same time, he persevered through it. And what was the secret? Why does he, how does St. Paul do that? Well, the first thing is that he faced the suffering and accepted it, right? And this is what keeps a lot of us at bay because we start things and of course there's a price tag to everything that we want to achieve. And the greater the goal, the higher the price. And a lot of us end up going through life and then saying it's not worth it. Well, and maybe it isn't. I mean, I think there's a real, a real truth to say that there's a greatness also in quitting. There is, and not everything is worth pursuit to the level of sacrifice that's necessary. And the wise person knows how to fail, to fail fast and to fail forward, okay? So like, I'm not, I'm not saying that because even that's a type of perseverance. What you're doing there is you're saying, I'm going to get to the goal. This is not the right path to get us there. Right? I'm talking more foundationally though about people who just give up on life. I mean, they, 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 and you, this happens a lot of times in your 50s. Between 55 and 65 is a key age in a human being's life because you've come to a, a moment of fruition and you've got an accomplishment underneath your belt. And yet, uh, so, so many times people just say, I, I, it's not worth it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to withdraw and I'm not going to keep on trying, either into modes of selfishness, modes of quitting, one way or the other. 
And, and here Jesus is there to meet you, to say, hang in there. There's, I'm not done with you yet, but I'm asking for you to be willing to pay the price that's necessary for the next kind of service that you're going to give to the world. And, and, and that's just really hard. St. Paul was willing to pay the price. He was willing to look at the suffering in front of him and for the sake of the glory that Jesus would gain from his sacrifice in his life, well, he made it happen. Even to the point of dying, right, at the hands of an unjust man, St. Paul persevered through because he accepted the price. He accepted the pain. And so my, my question with you is, well, why would you fight it so much? And, and, and there, there's usually a calculation that we do in our minds where we end up saying like, look, I've only got so much life left. I've only got so much energy left. Is this worth it? And, and I would like to say, of course, many things aren't worth it, but some things are. And when it comes to a foundational decision, like will I continue to shine the light? Will I continue to persevere in faith? You know, will I continue to keep trying to do good works in this world? My friends, I think that, there's, there, that that is worth it. I, I don't know what we would opt for if it wasn't for a life of good works. I mean, and we just when do you hang up the cleats and say it's over? Well, I think as, as someone who follows Christ, it, it's the day you die. Until then, while we live, we labor for him. And when we die, then we go to him. But in life and death, we belong to him. Okay, that's actually a quote from St. Paul in his letter to the Philippians. And, and yet, come, that's the heart. That's the heart of somebody who's like, yeah, this stinks. I mean, he went without wife. He went without children. Look at this, St. Paul, all that he gave up in his life. How did he keep going? He says that the secret is found in love. He says, I will strain every nerve to lay hold of him who has laid hold of me. Isn't that beautiful? That's again in Philippians. To strain every nerve to lay hold of him who has laid hold of me. And, and then later on, St. Paul will speak about the love that he has for the churches. And, and therein is the secret. The love of Christ impels us forward, drives us forward. And if I could have that kind of love in my heart, a love that goes beyond the pain, well, then the pain becomes a sacrifice that's a gift. And, and, and the fortitude and grit that I demonstrate isn't for my own glory. And it's not because of my own strength. It's my gift that I give because I'm in love. And the love for Christ that seizes his soul can be in yours as well. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing? I could, I could give the whole world up if I had that love. And if I had that love, then I wouldn't need the whole world. That's the secret of St. Paul, and that's what keeps him going despite it all. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at communications at stjohninstitute.org. That's communications at stjohninstitute.org. And visit www.stjohninstitute.org and sign up for our newsletter to receive updates from Father Nathan.